You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 69 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And before we get too far along, I do want to ask my co-host how he's feeling because this past Saturday, we were on the THPN After Hours show as he sips on his Tip of the Iceberg coffee mug. We were on the After Hours show this past Saturday, and before he can even get a word off, he's getting absolutely torched for a jersey by ex-NHLer Kyle McLaren. How are you feeling about that, bud? Uh, well, first of all, I'm tired because I didn't expect to be on it at all last night. <laughs> um, I was at a buddy's house, and I kind of just realized my stomach's hurting, so I'm not drinking that much. So I sobered up. I was able to come home. Saw that you crazy people were still on, and I said, screw it. I'll hop on for what I figured would be the outros. What's his name, did? <laughs> the other coyotes guy uh richie yeah richie like richie popped on right for the outros i figured i'd hop in for the out for the outros and be like i was here for a minute but hey no it was fun hopping on you text me put a jersey on i said okay uh i looked back because i had my jerseys directly behind me and i said i have a fun one right here popped on my charlie conway uh mighty ducks jersey and immediately got lit up for it um I essentially suicide passed myself, and McLaren was right in the tracks. And other than that, though, it was a fun time. It's always fun watching and being on those. Um, even if I was only on for a little bit, didn't say too much. But let's just say Tom Franklin, who, by the way, literally just responded to a Slack message of yours. <laughs> we'll put it in the words of Tom Franklin. I can read because he just sent it. Dude, I was squirming at the end, even though I did my damnedest to stretch it out because, you know, Drunky, drunk, drunk. If that isn't just the perfect epitome of what Saturday night was on After Hours, I don't know what is. I mean, I popped in and just saw blacklight, sunglasses, low hat, and he just looked cool. I said, that man. (laughs) And a completely empty bottle of Kraken spiced rum. We will get to a a Kraken. We all need to try, yes. We will get to a little Kraken segment here, but that was just a little intro to... What happened this past weekend with both of us? If you want to check out the After Hours show, check it out at patreon.com slash the Hockey Podcast Network. We appreciate everybody that is a patron of ours, and apparently all proceeds go to the hosts, Isha and Dylan being the great people that they are. They don't dip their toes into that at all. So please subscribe to us on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the Hockey Podcast Network. But let's get into a little bit of hockey news. In the past week, of course, the second week of training camp, A couple of storylines bouncing around at the beginning of the week. As we probably could have imagined, Max Domi of the Montreal Canadiens decided he will play in the play-in series despite having type 1 diabetes and a higher risk of catching coronavirus. He decided that he is going to play, so that is one thing that happened a little bit later in the week. Sidney Crosby returned to the Lemieux Complex practice facility, and he practiced with his teammates on Friday. He didn't participate in Saturday's scrimmage. And he did also say right after that that he is expecting to hopefully play 
in Tuesday's exhibition game against the Flyers. Horwath, are you concerned at all about Sidney Crosby's health right now? I mean, it's okay to be concerned about it. It's just a matter of we know he's going to play hurt, right, regardless? Oh, definitely. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it's okay to be a little, like, are you okay? Like, it sucks that we can't know what happened. I think that's kind of why I'm like, well, now I'm concerned because I don't know what's happening. I'm just going to jump to the worst possible mindset. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I mean, Crosby's going to play through an injury because he is Sidney Crosby and he wanted to do it earlier this year. And I can't say I blame him as long as it's not your concussion, as long as it's not something that's going to like permanently end your career. Screw it. I'm not saying go for it. I'm saying you do you, fam. <laughs> This from the That's guy all that I'm was, saying about it. This from the guy that was saying axe the season for the player's health. Man, that was a long time ago. <laughs> Weren't you too, though? Uh, I never said axe the season. I said if you're not going to do it intelligently, then axe the season. But I feel like they've done it intelligently. Oh, yeah. We all know they have. I mean, we all know most sports have. So, But as far as Crosby's concerned, I the reason I'm not too worried about Sidney Crosby is, one, Evan Rodriguez was completely or or sorry instantly inserted into that line and he just practiced there i feel like if they were worried about crosby missing actual game action they would have switched the lineup yeah there'd be a lot more shuffling than just saying well evan rodriguez you're gonna center connor sherry and jake gensel like i feel like he was just a placeholder in practice and he did really well i thought evan rodriguez looked pretty good it's the most i've seen him play in a penguins uniform in these past four scrimmage games but he i thought he looked pretty decent so i'm not too concerned about Sidney crosby Going forward, if he starts showing effects, then it's a concern. But as of right now, it's not. There were two other things stemming from Saturday's final inter-squad scrimmage game, of course. You had the McCann and Brandon Tanev scrap, which was, I, I mean, I saw. N- in, in I was working. Quote, I saw none of the scrimmage, so you're going to have to run through it. Yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll do it really quickly. I mean, all that really happened is McCann was driving to the net, and Tanev, being Brandon Tanev, just put him down. He, he, okay. he hit him. It wasn't really knocked him down, but, like, he ran into him pretty hard, and McCann fell forward. And, of course, McCann went after him, and they dropped the gloves. But, of course, people stepped in because they don't want him punching each other's daylights out a week before a playoff action. So a little bit of, of heat and tension there, which, I mean, they're both competitive guys. They hugged it out after the period. So that there's nothing there, of course. But it's nice to see how competitive those guys are getting. But then at the end, when they were doing power play, Jack Johnson gets hit with a shot gets injured during the penalty kill practice who knows what his accessibility is going to be like for the exhibition game and for game one but it did look like it hit him in the wrist and he, he was favoring that getting attention on the bench from the medical experts so we'll, we'll have to follow along with jack johnson as well i mean if he's out you have to imagine chad ruedel gets the nod right chad you so we got guys before we have to start worrying about churchman or joseph coming in so and not even worrying about those guys coming in but more or less seeing them yeah i don't think churchman played all that poorly whenever i mean from what i saw in those four scrimmages he looked pretty good and po joseph definitely looked a lot better than i like i know people said he was gonna be ready for next season but i think that po joseph especially his size when he showed up he definitely filled out a little bit over the quarantine so he looked really good in that training camp and all those inner squad scrimmages so he might get a chance to play in these playoffs. Who knows how many people we're going to need, especially on the back end. But that's basically all the storylines for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They are, as we're recording this today, and if you're listening to this probably yesterday, the Penguins will be heading to Toronto, into their bubble, to Hotel X to quarantine and get ready for the playoffs. So we've made it to the bubble. That's all a big right. thing. One team that won't be in a bubble, whether it's in the in Toronto or in Edmonton, 
That is the Seattle Kraken, as they okay. <laughs> they announced their team name last week. I know that you're not a big fan, but let, let's hear why you're not a big fan of the Seattle Kraken. So I don't hate it. I'll start there. It's I'm. It was definitely in my. It was like my third choice. I'll give it that. I think we mentioned this whenever we get to our listener interviews in a little bit with Hoppy. I know I mentioned that it wasn't my. It wasn't my first choice, and it wasn't my second. Um, but that's because I thought Sockeye was cool. You can make a sick logo out of that with with the old colors, with the old colors from the old uh, Metropolitan. Seattle Metropolitans. Yeah, that's fine considering, you know, trademarked by a novel. <laughs> Say that. Um, and I did see a tweet that said that she or her lawyer, whoever wrote the novel, said that no one came in contact with her about the trademark. So that kind of gave it away. My second choice was... Me being a music guy, I was like, call it the Grunge because it's a cool name, and you can do some cool things because you you don't really have a colorway with that, so you can kind of do whatever colors you want. Um, and even if you wanted to, because it's not really a thing, it's just like a concept, I guess. You can make your mascot almost whatever you want. If you wanted to still have like a Kraken-ish mascot in a way, you could. A uh, buddy of mine said you could have like a like a old grungy looking sailor type guy. I said, just name him Kurt, and that's all you got to do. <laughs> God. Yeah, that would definitely have worked. I was always a fan of Seattle Kraken. I really wanted it to be the Seattle Kraken just because, one, I grew up really loving the Pirates of the Caribbeans, but, two, I just think it fits really well, and there's not enough team names in sports that don't end in S. So Seattle Kraken yeah. is just a good addition to that. Plus, their marketing team just completely went off. I mean, the, the the S logo, the secondary anchor logo with the Space Needle, I love it. And I also love the colors. I do like the light blue. I, don't, I think powder blue is not used enough in professional sports. Right, no, I mean, like, the Kraken was my third choice, definitely, because it's better than totems. Sorry, hockey totem. It's better <laughs> than whatever. I forget, there were some other bad names in there. Like, the I can remember. Greens. Yeah, like, weren't. Isn't the first time we talked about this, we were still at the fir- the old studio at school? How long has this been in the I, making? I, I don't – I mean, Seattle has been the 32nd NHL franchise for a while, so it's been a while, but I don't remember the first time we talked about it, if it was on this podcast or if it Damn, was on I, our old radio show. I'm pretty sure it was on the old radio show. If you still have those episodes, I will look for them right after this. But, <laughs> no, there were some bad names in there, and so I'll take Kraken because it was definitely one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, you like names that don't have an S at the end. I mean, hey, the Grunge doesn't have an S at the end either. Fair. But for Kraken, like like you mentioned, I like the colors. I could do with a little more than just blue, honestly. But hey, screw it. I'll take it. It's a lot of different blues. Yeah, I like the blues. I have no problem with that. I did think there should have been the light green. Oh, oh, yeah, but that light green. But they could still incorporate it somehow. But if not, I mean, oh well. Like I like the red with the, the powder blue and the dark blue. I think it fits really well. And then... I, again, I think their marketing team just did really good. And the logos really look sick. The yeah. logos look awesome. So Jerseys are going to be sick. I hope, I hope I'm hope i probably going to get one if there's somebody that I like that gets drafted there. But that's, again, a year and a half down the road. So we'll, we'll leave that and table it for whenever that happens. But we do have one more thing before we send it to – this is a listener episode. I don't know if I even mentioned that. I'm just, I'm I don't think you mentioned it. Head. I did say that we have Hoppy on at least. But, I mean, hey, we have listeners coming on 
we have a bunch of listeners. We have four more listeners coming on to the show. We have Doug Gladkey, who is a recurring guest on this show. We have Richard Blosser, who calls himself the Hockey Hack. He joined the show. Logan Hartnett joined us to talk smack on me a little bit about our old street hockey days. And then, of course, as you mentioned, we have our fellow comrade here on the Hockey Podcast Network, State of Hoppy. He also joins us later on the show. So stay tuned for all those great interviews that we did to preview the upcoming Montreal Canadiens versus the Pittsburgh Penguins series. But before we get to any of those, we're going to finally give our picks because we are less than a week away, Horwat, from playoff hockey. So let's start by giving our round-robin picks. We're just going to order the four teams how we think they're going to finish. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. How do you see the top four shaking out after the round-robin? I feel like it's going to go down one through four. Probably Boston. Probably Tampa. Washington, uh, Philly. So you think it just stays the same way it is? Basically. Basically? Okay. Yeah, that's I, what it is. Yeah. I, so yeah, I think it's going to stay like that. Yeah, I switched it up a little bit. I mean, you look at what Boston's had to go through in their training camp. You have David Posternock, who's really not played at all with his team. I mean, I get Patrick Hornquist missed the first week, but he looked really good in the second week. Posternock's dealt with, is he able to play? Can he play? He's played here. He practiced this day. He didn't practice this day plus Tuka Rask missed time, plus Andre Kasha missed time. So I think Boston, because of that, drops a little bit. And I also just think the way that Tampa Bay was trending towards the end of the season and just the pure talent that they have, they're going to jump up to that one spot. So my official rankings here in the Eastern Conference, I had Tampa Bay finishing in first. I had Washington. Now, I did pick this before I heard Ilya Samsonov is not going to be in the bubble due to injury, and he's not going to be playing at all this postseason. So that is a a big hit to the Washington Capitals, in my opinion. Brayden Holpe's done it before, so it's not like he can't do it again. But he did have a rough season again. So it's the same question that you have with Murray is, even though he had a rough season, can he get back to that playoff form? But I still have the Capitals going, too, with all that being said. So I have Tampa Washington, Boston, I think, drops a three. I think Philly's really good. I don't want to take anything away from the Flyers and what they did this season, but those other three teams, I think, are a tier above them, yeah. and I think they're going to be able to... I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but I feel Philly's going to finish up in fourth. Yeah, I mean, a couple more games in, and we're and we're talking about us in that top four and not Philadelphia, really. Yeah, exactly, and it's, it's going to be... I don't know how it's going to happen because some of these guys might take these as exhibition games. So some teams might take it off. Washington might jump up to four. Philly might jump up to number four, and they might ride Carter Hart the whole way to that number one seed. Who, who knows what's going to happen in that? But that's that. That's our picks. Uh, you had the what? The regular? You said you had Boston, Tampa. Washington, I just, as Philly. is, yeah. As is. It could happen. So let's move yeah. on to the Western Conference. The four teams you have there are the Colorado Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights, the St. Louis Blues, and the Dallas Stars. Horwath, how do you see that shaking out? See, the, these are four toss-ups because the West has been so weird this year. Um, I think St. Louis will be on top of that, number one. Okay. I'm going to go, he said, Colorado two, Vegas three, and then Dallas four. I don't see Dallas going up any higher, honestly. I don't know why. I just don't get the greatest feeling about Dallas being a juggernaut this year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird because they're such a talented team, but I feel like nobody really gives them respect. Like, they finished fourth in the West. Did you see them? Like, did anybody really talk about them more than they talked about the Arizona Coyotes, how good they were supposedly this season? They're an 11 seed right now. Yeah. A lot of people talked about the Canucks. They finished as a 7 seed. But nobody's talking about Dallas, who has 
two amazing defensemen in Miro Heiskanen and in John Klingberg. And then you have to think Sagan had a down season. Jamie Benn had a down season. But they have young players like Rupe Hintz who can come up. And then, of course, Ben Bishop being Ben Bishop is just fantastic any way you split it. I do have them finishing at number four. But yeah, like it's so weird. Said, like it's because it's such tough competition in the top four. It's not to take anything away from them. Like the same thing with Philly. But it's just these are the top four teams in the conference for a reason. So I do yeah. have Dallas at four. I think St. Louis drops the three. Oh, sorry. Let me just run. No, it's another thing. It's, like, it's another thing. It's like you say those names and then it's who else do they have? Yeah. Like it's that's it though. So you can continue now. Yeah. No. Of course. I mean, Dallas I have at number four. St. Louis I think drops to number three just because of how good the top two are gonna be. I think Vegas finishes in second, and Colorado takes that top seed because a lot of reports coming out see Colorado as a team that is really hungry right now. Plus, that team has ridiculous depth. Like, you talk yeah. about Andre Burakovsky, and I can't – I'm losing – Vlad Nishkushkin, I think is how you say his name. Those guys have went over there and had, like, a resurgence, and it's just the fact that everybody they brought in had the same resurgence in that year. And then, of course, Nathan McKinnon being a Hart finalist doesn't doesn't hurt at all. My only question mark with them is goaltending, and I know that they have goaltenders. Like, Francis played great, but, I mean, it's his first time in. How long can that last for now? Grubauer is always back and forth. And I think that's it. Isn't it just those two? Yeah, I mean, they have a third stringer, but he's not going to get any time. I didn't think so. I thought I thought the third string was a name. But, no, out of those two, none of them really say, like, yep, that's a brick wall in net. I think it's the same thing as, as like when we talked about the Dallas Stars is they just don't get enough credit. I did see Francois's numbers and they're not just good. They're great. His numbers were great this season. I don't know who's going to start for them, but right. whoever starts is going to give them a really good chance. And of course, in these first three games, it's not like it's do or die. So we might see Francois game one, Grubauer game two, Whoever does better, they put them in game three. It's not like it's it's do or die at this point for them. So they have more time to figure it out, whereas the Penguins don't necessarily have that time. Right, and like I'm looking at the numbers now for France Susan. Yeah, like it's they're great numbers. You're right. But, I mean, I just always question whenever it's a young goalie in their first go at it before the season, only played two games last year. Sometimes, like we've seen it a lot, these goalies come in, they get hot, they carry their team into the playoffs, they carry through a round, and then nothing happens. Next thing you know, they're in the AHL for the next five years. I mean, like, Andrew Hammond, uh, Victor Fast, like, all these guys are coming to mind. It's like, yeah, they had great starts to their career, and then they did nothing after that. I'm not saying that's the same thing with Francis, but I'm saying that's always something to keep in the back of your head with these great goalies. Can they get you through the beginning of a series? Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they could, you, they could pull off a nice number one seed and I would take that too I like the avalanche a lot so that's just the way I look at these young goalies plus Grubauer like I said is always back and forth mm -hmm. well that is the top seeds that we just ran down but we do have the play-ins of course to get to let's start in the western conference there we're gonna need a prediction on who's gonna win and in how many games for what so let's start with the 5 and 12 seed you got the Edmonton Oilers taking on the Chicago Blackhawks who do you got Oilers Blackhawks oh that one's gonna be such a f that one's gonna go five it has to Listen, a lot of these series are going to go five games because, one, nobody's played in four months, so you don't know what to expect. And, two, a lot of people are healthy. So these, a lot of these series are going to go five games. Yeah, I mean, it's plus to me, five games is an easy number to get to. And, oh, Chicago-Edmonton is so hard. I mean, 
People are all excited about Corey Crawford coming back. I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not. So I'm going to have to go with Edmonton, I think. I get their goaltending might be a little more shaky. But damn, Drysaddle and McDavid are probably going to tear it up against an old aging defense. (laughs) Listen, there were reports that Connor McDavid looks faster now than he's ever looked before. And I'm not one to pick against that. So I'm also going with Edmonton. You said in what? You said Edmonton in five? Five. I'm going to go Edmonton in four. I, I did say a lot of these series, and a lot of my picks are in five games. But I think the Edmonton Oilers, although you can't discount the Chicago Blackhawks, they do have a lot of playoff pedigree, but I just don't think that they're ready for the Edmonton Oilers. I don't think they're ready for the Art Ross Trophy winning Leon Dreisaitl, like you mentioned. And I don't think they're ready for the best player in the world, Connor McDavid. And I saw a lot of people saying that this is Chicago's probably with these prime guys their last go at it because they were kind of handed this one so maybe there's a little more fire under them yeah but okay so Patrick Kane becomes your top scorer for these five games and that's it because Taves Taves can have fire and do nothing because that's overrated because he's overrated as shit and that's how that's gonna go Duncan Keith what yeah. He shouldn't have been. He he shouldn't have been on the NHL 100. He's an okay defenseman, but I don't see much coming out of him at this age. And their goaltending is Corey Crawford, who's going to play two games then get hurt again. <laughs> well, I think if there's any way the Chicago Blackhawks win this series, they're going to just have to win it by outscoring the Edmonton Oilers. Because although Edmonton's defense isn't great, Chicago's is also not great, and that's the best way I can put it. The nicest way I can put it, I should say. So we both have Edmonton, you have them in five, I have them in four. Let's move on to the next series, one that has been hotly contested on the After Hours show, as we've mentioned before. The Nashville Predators is the sixth seed, taking on the 11-seeded Arizona Coyotes. Who do you got, Horwat? Who? You know I'm never a fan of Nashville. Arizona's got, who's, their, their guy is starting in net, right? Oh, they He's got back. both Kemper and Ranta back right now. There it is. I got to go Arizona then. Darcy Kemper's going to shut it down. How many games? Oh, fuck. I forgot about that part. Uh, (laughs) You know what? Four. Pecorine is not the same goalie he used to be. And I bet you he doesn't even start the last game. No, I really don't think he starts the first game. I feel like they're going to start with UC Soros. There you go. I mean, he was better this year. He was better this year. At at the same time, we're sitting here while Matt Murray's probably going to start on Saturday. So... Yeah, and? <laughs> exactly. So and? You, have, you have Arizona in four, right? Yeah, I'm going to Arizona in four. Before I say my pick, does it not feel like Phil Kessel has been not a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins for a very long time? This is still the first season that Kessel's been in Arizona. Bro, we started the season with Eric Gabranson. Yeah, no, it this just it feels like Kessel has been off the Penguins and on Arizona for like three seasons at this point, doesn't yeah. it? And also, in my consideration for for putting Arizona over Nashville, I didn't even think of him. I forgot he was there, honestly, but yeah. Well, I I mean, he forgot he was there, too. Only five even-strength goals, or was it even-strength or five power play goals? I think it was five even-strength goals this season. Either way, he did not have a good season, whether it was because of injury or because of his his new stick. I don't know what excuses Paul Biznesti is going to lay out for him, but I still have Arizona taking this in five games i think nashville's defense definitely gets them a couple wins because of how good they are and they're able to protect whoever's in net whether it be soros or rene but at the end of the day i just i feel like arizona especially taylor hall 
I feel like Taylor Hall is going to have to have a good playoff. So he's going to come out and light it up, I think. So Arizona. If he wants to get paid next year, he's going to have to do that. Especially with all this, this cap staying flat, he really needs to show out to be able to get those max numbers. And Arizona's wearing the Kachinas, so also you can't go against the Kachina. As long as we don't wear that our shitty yellow thing, I think we're okay. Oh, we don't need to get into that. We don't have the time for that. No, we but don't. Let's move on to the Vancouver Canucks, Minnesota Wild. Of course, we're going to mention it a little bit later. We set our picks a little bit later with State of Hockey because he threw us on, on, on top of the fire with that. And when I said, I said Vancouver in five. Minnesota has a bright future. I said it in that interview coming up. The Iowa Wild, their AHL team, were so good this year. They have a bright future, especially with Kaprizov coming in. But the future is not now for them. Right now, the Canucks are the better team. I think they have better top-end talent. And although Markstrom played out of his mind good this year, I do think that is the new normal for him. So I feel like Vancouver takes it in five games. I don't remember what I said, I think, I'm, but I'm sure I picked Vancouver. Just I don't remember how many games. I know you picked Vancouver for sure. Cool. All right, we'll go Vancouver, and I'll just say a number four. And if it doesn't match later, it doesn't match later. It's... <laughs> That'll be your official pick, Vancouver and four. You were under stress starting that other one. Yeah, Vancouver and four because all the reasons you mentioned before. Sounds good. Let's keep it moving here. Eight-seeded Calgary Flames versus nine-seeded Winnipeg Jets. When we first saw these matchups, we said this is probably going to be the closest one just because what one team has, the other team doesn't, and it just flip-flops in that same fashion. I have Winnipeg taken in five. I think that the firepower of the Jets is just too much. Plus, you're being backstopped by the goalie that's gonna win the Vezina this year I know he's just a finalist as of right now but he's gonna win it in Connor Hellebuck so I can't pick against Winnipeg in this series peg in five whenever we first talked about the series I think it was yeah these teams are very opposite of each other but now just seeing that well, Johnny Goudreau might not be a flame next year I don't know what Sean Monaghan's doing anymore and then Dave Ridge is in that who yes great goalie but uh, one of those young goalies again who knows what happens yeah, I think I have to go with Winnipeg, too, because you have Connor Hellebuck in net. Neil Pionk and his band of Mary Men have been getting it done somehow this season, so they're going to continue that, probably. And don't discount how important coaching is in this, and Paul Maurice is one of the best they come. Exactly. I definitely got to go Winnipeg, too. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this one the sweep, just because. Just because. Jets in three is what you're saying there. It'll be the only sweep that we have in the entire thing. But yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. So the entire Western Conference, we agreed on who's going to win. But we also had in completely different games. So that's good. We still have a little bit of difference. Let's move over to the Eastern Conference really quickly. We have the Carolina Hurricanes versus the New York Rangers. This is a tough one. This one's so tough. Carolina has probably one of the deepest defense cores that I've seen in the past decade. They just don't have, like, I don't know if I can trust Peter Morazic. Meanwhile, on the other end, the New York Rangers have Lungfist, who, honestly, coming out of the blocks, would probably be pretty good if he gets the start. Georgiev, who is really good, and Shesterkin, who I think is going to start who is also extremely good. So they have a lot of options in net there. Yeah. But they also have, I think, Panarin, Zibanejad, just go off for the New York Rangers here in the playoffs. We see what Panarin can do when he was in Columbus. So I'm going Rangers in five. That's an, that's my that's one of my upset picks. I guess I took both 11 seeds, considering I took Arizona too. But Rangers in five. Mm, this one is hard, man. I Regardless, I'm saying 5-2. Who's Carolina got... And net again? 
Peter Morazic or Alex Nedeljkovic is their backup. Or no, James Reimer is their backup. Sorry. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh. Oh. 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 I'm gonna go New York in five two. We're going with the Big Apple. Uh, I don't think anybody from Carolina is gonna appreciate us saying that. <laughs> it's a hard one. You're gonna put up a good fight. Hell, it might be a game five overtime for all we know. Like it's gonna be a close damn series and i also don't take too much stock into regular season series but the rangers did win all four matchups four count them four so four times four times yeah it's, like, it's gonna be a fun one to watch it's gonna be very very close and that's why it's gonna go five it's gonna go five round or five regardless, games regardless yeah we also have probably no offense to either of these teams but probably the series that i'm least looking forward to watching and that's the New York Islanders versus the Florida Panthers. I, I apologize, grumpy old man. I know that's going to irritate you. But this is also going to irritate you. I got Florida in five. I think Sergei Bobrovsky finds somewhat of what he's getting paid for. And I think they take care of it in five games. Right, did anyone else forget these two teams existed? <laughs> it's been so long, I forgot the Islanders were a thing. <laughs> Which one's the higher seed? The Islanders, right? The it's Islanders are the seventh seed. Okay. I've always been on the Panthers' side. There's just something about this season I can't. I don't know why. I think it's because Bobrovsky played like hot garbage and is getting paid like golden garbage. So I I gotta go with the Islanders just because, I mean, we saw them just, just whatever. I can't think of the word now, but just rip us from shred to shred last year. And Bobrovsky's played terrible. Yeah, Barkov's great, but ugh, I gotta go New York in probably four. So Horwat likes both New York teams in the play-in series. He likes the Rangers in five, the Islanders in four. What about a team that's kind of not really anywhere close to New York? We got the Toronto Maple Leafs Columbus Blue Jackets, which again, something that is very highly anticipated to see if the Toronto Maple Leafs can get can through a round. And I know last week when we were talking to your girlfriend, Megan, I was talking a lot of shit on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but mainly because I knew that would irritate her just a little bit. Yep. And I did mention, hey, the Blue Jackets, they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, the historic Tampa Bay Lightning, in four games last year. But just because you win one series... Doesn't mean shit. <laughs> doesn't mean you're going to do it the next year. And they also lost a lot. I know they're a good team, but in a series like this, when it's going to be who can score the most, I feel like, in most of these instances... Toronto's going to do it. Also, because a couple weeks ago I heard on a podcast, I'm blanking on which podcast, so I apologize to whoever said it. The Toronto Maple Leafs call Freddie Anderson FredX because he always delivers. So I'm going to trust in that, and I'm going t Toronto in four games. Okay, first of all, he does not always deliver. We've seen the playoffs the past couple of years, haven't we? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, just because it doesn't mean it's true, but it's what they call him. I got to go Toronto in five. Because, yeah, it's it's going to come down to scoring again. But it's also Toronto, and I think they're just going to squeak it out. That's all. They're all right. going to squeak it out. And then they're going to get demolished in the next round by whoever, probably, because <laughs> that's the real first round, and that's where they fall apart. Yeah, I mean, that's what both of us said last week. They'll just win the first round only to lose to Boston in the next one. <laughs> oh, Goodness, yeah. So there's only one series remaining, and that is Penn's Habs. We have never officially given our Penn's Habs prediction. So we are going to do it 
at the end of this episode. So stay right tuned to hear break. our official Pens Habs picks, and that'll be after all of our listener episodes. But for right now, let's toss it to the first of our four listener episodes today. We're going to toss it over to Doug Gladkey. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm sure I've said that at least three or four times on this episode already, but I mean, when there's a network as great as the Hockey Podcast Network, I figured I might as well pump it as much as possible. But we continue on here during our listener episode, and we have our most frequent joiner of the podcast back for the fourth appearance of season one he is a big friend of the show he is one of the og followers of the tip of the iceberg please welcome onto the show doug gladkey you can follow him on twitter at doug underscore gladkey and he definitely lets his opinions fly on there so doug how's it going buddy good man how are you oh i'm doing great yeah I appreciate so, you having me on. So You're the OG joiner of the show. You're the first guy that said, I really, really want to be on this. And, of course, your insight is always top-notch. So you know you're always welcome on the show. I know I ask this to all the people during this, this episode. I have a pretty good idea, but I'll ask the question anyway to stay uniform. Where are you joining us from today? Uh, my bedroom in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Represent so, Johnstown. Yeah, PA. buddy. <laughs> it's definitely the closest anybody's been to me recording these that's for sure yeah i know but we're not here to talk about geography we're here to talk about the pittsburgh penguins and of course their upcoming play-in series matchup against the montreal canadiens doug the first question i have for you especially because you seem like you you like to take a look at analytics and and bring that into your your thought process when you're evaluating matchups so montreal Known to be a really good possession team. Actually in the top five in the NHL this season when it comes to possession. So do you think that naturally poses a tough matchup for the Pittsburgh Penguins? I think it can. I mean, this reminds me of similar to the Ottawa series in uh, 2017 where you think you're just going to go in and just steamroll these guys. But I have a feeling they're going to take it at least four games, potentially five. You know, they have a lot of very underrated guys in terms of, like, metrics and analytics, Joel Armia being one of them. And um, they're, they're bringing up Jesperi Kakaniemi. He's currently centering their third line. And I think that might pose a bit of a uh, difficult matchup rather than them not using Kakaniemi. I think one of the overall storylines throughout all of these interviews that we've done is do not take this team lightly, which is good to see from a fan's perspective that people aren't fully expecting us to just bulldoze over the Montreal Canadiens. And I tend to agree that it's going to be a lot tougher of a matchup than people say it's going to be. I mean, I wouldn't mind being wrong in that sense, but at the same time, I, I wholeheartedly believe that it is going to be a tougher matchup than a lot of people are mentioning. And you mentioned a guy like Jasperi Kakaniemi hasn't had really the sophomore season that he expected to. He was really, really impressive in his rookie year last year. And this year, of course, getting sent down from Montreal down to, I believe it's Laval is their, their AHL team. I'm not sure you might want to check me on that, anybody who's listening. But he did get sent down to the AHL. But when that happened, it seemed like he still had high spirits. He, he accepted the challenge from everything that I heard. 
and he's going to be a guy that probably has something to prove in this series. And really, isn't that the storyline of that entire team, especially you know coming in as the 24 seed of a 24-team playoff and a team that if all teams would have played the same amount of games, I'm sure Buffalo would have actually been in instead of them because they finished with only a point ahead of them and two more games played. But bringing it back to Montreal and, and the original question, that possession, I, I completely agree with you. It's exactly like the Ottawa series where Ottawa was more not exactly possession, but very good at the trap game and defensive hockey and not allowing chances. And Montreal is going to be almost the same way, just in a different different kind of category they're going to limit the chances for the penguins based on how much they like to possess the puck and have the puck in the offensive zone yeah i totally agree with you and the big thing with montreal is they're so fast they have a lot of really quick guys i mean like i said kakaniemi's fast victor mete very underrated on their back end could be someone to look to watch in uh this series as well as you know you have nick suzuki who um, usually plays that second-line right-wing spot, but he's been slotted into the second-line center spot due to uh, the potential absence of Max Domi in this series. Yeah, that's a, that's a very big storyline going on right now, especially when you consider how important it's going to be to have a guy like Max Domi in the lineup. And you mentioned the speed of both teams. Well, you mentioned the speed of Montreal, I should say. But it's inherently known that the Penguins possess a very quick team as well, especially after the addition of Brandon Tanev in the offseason and some of the other players that they've brought in and called up. But now the big question that I have for you is probably going to end up being the slowest line in this series. How big of a role do you see the third line of Marlowe, McCann, and Hornquist having in this series? Man, I'm so excited for this line. If they get some chemistry going in the Montreal series and they end up getting past Montreal, this could turn into an HBK type of situation with uh, Marlowe, McCann, and Hornquist. You know, there's a lot of pressure on Jared McCann's shoulders right now. He has to come in and establish himself as the guy because we need a third-line center right now. Nick Bukestad isn't going to come back, and as you guys have been alluding to, he probably isn't going to come be back next season. McCann needs to come in and establish himself as that 3C so that the uh, Penguins are set for the long term. Yeah, a lot of people have been talking about that. Jared McCann's role, I mean, except for the exceptional lettuce that he came back with, he has looked good in practices. And there have been some reports about how much him and Marlowe were talking during the first couple days of training camp, how it was not just you know, talking about what's going on at practice. It seemed like they were really trying to build a chemistry. And that's interesting because Marlowe was only over here for a handful of games after the trade deadline. And then you think about somebody like Patrick Hornquist, who did miss the beginning of training camp because of a possible secondary exposure. So it's going to be interesting to see how these guys can mesh come August 1st and how quickly these guys can mesh. But, I mean, if you look at the way that these guys play, Marlowe is 40-plus years old. He knows how to adapt to people, I feel like. McCann has shown that he's very, very adaptable in all situations, and Patrick Hornfist is going to play his game no matter what. So those guys can all adapt to playing that line. I don't know if it'll quite be like the HBK line, 
But if you look at the way that the fourth line or 3B, whatever Mike Sullivan wants to call it line of Aston Reese, Bluger, and Tanev, those guys aren't going to score goals, but those guys are still going to be integral when it comes to the playoffs and the play-in series. But I think it's going to be interesting to see if this third line of Patrick Marlowe, Jared McCann, Patrick Hornfist, it's going to be interesting to see if those guys can produce offense because that's what we're going to need from them. Not as much on the defensive side because that 3B line or whatever has that really covered. And I also think that the first line and second line are going to be pretty stout on defense as well. But this third line is going to have to provide offense. Do you see that as something that is inherently a possibility with them? I think it's a real possibility because of the way the line sat up, your two main play drivers are going to be McCann and Hornquist. Or no, it's going to be McCann and Marlowe. And they're going to allow Hornquist to pretty much go to the front of the net and get in guys' way and just basically do whatever the hell he wants. And I think that that's very, very important for um, the Penguins because as we've talked about before in previous instances, Every time we've done this and we've gone out and competed for and won a Stanley Cup, we've had an incredible third line. We've had incredible depth scoring. So McCann needs to spearhead that line in order to be successful and have great success because they that's the only way they're going to do this, mm-hmm. especially in a 2014 format. Yeah, and it's something that that I mentioned in an article that I wrote, I don't know how many eons ago. COVID has my timing messed up. It's something that was written on The Athletic, that there is a lot on Jared McCann's shoulders, but I feel like he'll be able to step up to that. He did finish the season on a 22-game goalless drought, but he has also shown that he can get hot really quick. So that's hopefully something that happens in that play-in series. Now, you mentioned it a little bit earlier. You kind of skidded past it, and I, I, I figured I'd let you go there. But I'm catching up with you now. You said four or five. What is your official prediction for this series? I'm going four because four. they're they're going to play on Sid's birthday, and <laughs> Sid's going to like basically have like a Michael Jordan game where he beats Montreal by himself. <laughs> yeah, Michael Jordan esque. I think it was the last episode or episode 67 that I mentioned that. I don't. I don't remember exactly what episode. Sometimes they run together, but it is going to be something to experience, whether that is positive or negative. As I mentioned when I talked about that before, I might have set myself up for failure, but at that point, it's going to be the first time. So we'll see. I don't know. During the World Cup in 2016, I I meant to look into it. Did I don't know if he played on his birthday then. I don't think so because I think it was later August. It started like late August, early September that year. So, yeah. Doug, that's all the questions I have for you. Do you have anything else that you want to talk about about this series before we let you go? Do you want to talk about the importance of the Bluger line? Oh. What are you thinking, man? Dude, like, Last they're season, so huge. It is. It is, ex- it is an extremely important line. And if they can come back and have that chemistry that they had during the season, it's going to be massive for the Penguins, especially in that first round because of their inherent possession ability. So last season, Boston's claim to fame was four great lines and specifically the best fourth line in all of hockey. I feel like the Aston Reese Bluger Tanev line not only has the potential, I think they proved during the season that they are 
in the top three, if not the top fourth line in all of hockey. So I think it's going to be extremely important. I mean, you even look at the one game we played in Montreal. Bluger drives the net in overtime, makes an amazing play, can't finish it, but Tanev buries it and then yells at a Habs fan. So that's the type of energy they're going to be bringing. So I think that they play an extremely important role. As I mentioned earlier, not a scoring role. They don't have to score to be effective. But I think what they're going to need to do is eat up ice time, piss people off, which I know Brandon Tanev can do, and just wear people down. That way, once they're wore down, you bring on the Crosby line, you bring on the Malkin line, and you just have a tired, worn-out, pissy Montreal Canadiens, five players, whoever it is on the ice, and they will leave Carey Price out to dry. That is my opinion on that line. What, what do you got? I mean, dude, I cannot wait for playoff Brandon Tanev. He's <laughs> going to be in the mix so much during this run because he doesn't really have like a huge responsibility on that line other than to be defensively sound because Bluger's the guy that drives the bus in terms of offense and Aston Reese is considered one of the best defensive forwards in hockey and he basically takes the brunt of the load there I think you know he's just going to be able to just be an agitator you know maybe score a big goal or two you know you said that that fourth line isn't going to score much man but I I can see Aston or no I can see Bluger and Tanov each having like a huge moment during this having their quote-unquote Bonino moment as it were yeah, Aston Reese isn't much for scoring, especially since he got his jaw broken open by Tom Wilson. But hey, we don't need him to do that. We don't need him to do that. We had Jay Fresh on a couple weeks ago, and he said he is one of the best. And this year he was, statistically, the best defensive forward in hockey. So I'm just going just gonna to leave it on that note, Dougie. Thank you for coming on to this listener episode. I'm going to give you the floor here to plug whatever you need to plug. I know I plugged your Twitter handle at the beginning, but go ahead, plug away at will. Honestly, my Twitter is all I really needed plugged. Follow me on there if you want to see me relentlessly bitch about Jack Johnson. So there you go. <laughs> well, thank you again, Doug. It's always a pleasure having you on. And you are still the leader in the clubhouse now with four appearances on the tip of the iceberg. So I'm sure you're going you're gonna to hold on to that title pretty tight. I love it, man. Thank you. A big thank you goes out to Doug for joining the show. As always, it's great to have Doug on. And as you heard in that interview, he is the leader in the clubhouse now with four appearances on the tip of the iceberg here in season one. So Doug, as always, thank you for joining us. But we're going to move on here on episode 69, talking about the Pens versus Habs matchup on our second straight listener episode and we're going to move on to a discussion we had with Richard Blosser. Now you're going to learn something about Richard in this in this quick interview and that is he is a Hershey Bears fan which is of course the AHL affiliate of the Washington Capitals but we won't hold that against him. He is a really good dude with really good insight so I hope you guys enjoy the interview but before we get to that interview with Richard I wanted to talk to you guys really quickly about cool hockey. Now since 1999 Cool Hockey has been the number one online source for purchasing and customizing officially licensed NHL jerseys in North America. Every single product that leaves their doors is done to the exact specification of the NHL Players Association. 
So visit Cool Hockey today at coolhockey.com slash THPN and use the promo code THPN for 30% off your new favorite hockey jersey. And now, here's Richard Blosser. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, listener episode number two in a row. This is episode 69, and we are currently being joined by Richard Blosser. You can follow him on Twitter at rbloss64. How's it going, Richard? Hey, guys. Thank you for thank you for having me on. Um, Long-time Pens fan. Um, as I told you guys from the days of Lemieux, Yager, Francis, that's as far back as I go. Really looking forward to these expanded playoffs. So glad hockey's back in whatever ever format because – especially on Twitter over the past month and a half, we had to deal with people just saying, not going to happen, not going to happen. There's too much at risk. This will never work. Just a gut feeling. It won't work. And I was just so glad to see that, that everybody came together, got a deal done, and we all moved forward, and we are enjoying this beautiful, violent circus. <laughs> that is known as professional hockey. Not everything's back. A lot of minor league hockey is still very much in flux, but we at least have this to get us through the summer and through the uh, early parts of the fall. It, it's weird talking about playoff hockey now when everybody's typically on summer vacation. We head into August in about a week, and as I like to call this, the month without hockey, we get absolutely nothing. Yet on August 1st, we are going to have five to six games a day a day of hockey sign me up i'm ready into my veins as the kids say gotta love it gotta love your enthusiasm and your excitement where are you joining us from today um i'm joining from my own studios i.e my apartment um in uh, mechanicsburg pennsylvania which is a uh, distant suburb of harrisburg pennsylvania Cards out on the table. My one of my true loves is the Hershey Bears, the <laughs> AHL affiliate of yes Washington. I know, but that's what's local to us. I follow the team rather well. I travel up to Wilkesbury a lot, so I know that farm club very good. And also out to um, Allentown for the Phantoms, <laughs> and um, proud affiliate of the Philadelphia Flyers, <laughs> and they're more than happy to tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that all makes sense. That's what happens when you, you know, are from, not necessarily the middle of nowhere, but there's no real big professional sports organization anywhere near you. Kind of attach yourself to the minor league stuff. And people from those cities love their minor league teams, and I understand it. Um, but you mentioned your excitement going in. We're going to have a lot of hockey coming up. Um, but specifically, Pittsburgh, Montreal. I mean, what do you think Montreal has to do to win the series? Or, you know, what do the Penguins have to do to win the series? Well, for Montreal, it all comes down to one person, Carey Price. They will go as far as his shoulders will take take them. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that Montreal doesn't deserve to be here, and they are not wrong. If you look up and down their roster, it's just a bunch of parts with no real leader. I mean, uh, Max Domi, he's diabetic and joined them. Huzzah, good for him. Um, other than that, who's their... Who's their number one scorer? Who's their number two? Who's heck? Who's even their number three? And it, to make a deep run in the playoffs, you need a one-two-three scoring line 
Um, Pittsburgh had that two years ago when you had uh, Crosby, Malkin, and Getzel, and then throwing guys like uh, Kessel, Rust, and others. Um, I've always used that as like the one, two, three guys as a benchmark as to whom, as to how far your team's going to go. Montreal just doesn't have that. And um, Montreal is just going to go as far as, as Carey Price has to be Carey Price to take them as far as they will go. Now for Pittsburgh, Sidney Crosby's back, thank God. Um, Jake Gensel's back. Great to see him back. Um, he was on such a tear before Ottawa got to him. And uh, this team on paper is fully loaded and should get past Montreal uh, easily. But um, Pittsburgh, unfortunately, in the past has had trouble getting rid of easy opponents in the playoffs. So I am cautiously optimistic for this series. I think Pittsburgh could win. They should win. Will they win? That's a different story. I think that's a good position to be in. Just don't get too ahead of yourselves because I do see some Pens fans getting a little bit ahead of themselves. And luckily, it seems like the team has not taken that same approach. It seems like they're taking this challenge very seriously, which is very good because, as you mentioned, while the Canadians don't have that that big stud superstar, they do have a very balanced lineup that it could come from anywhere. So you have to be on your A game at all times if you're the Penguins. So I agree with you that it is Carey Price's serious to really lose if you're Montreal basically it's going to be on the shoulders of him from the Penguin side who do you think could be an unexpected hero going into this series somebody that we don't necessarily expect to come in and put the team on his shoulders or make a big moment but who on the Penguins do you see coming out and having a really good moment in this series two guys spring to mind when I think that one um I'm actually gonna go on the defensive side and I hope I say his name right it's been a while uh John Marino I've really liked his play throughout the season, how he's a guy who's literally stepped in to that uh, second pairing and say, yeah, I'll take 18 minutes a night. Yeah, I'll take 17 minutes a night. Guys down on the power play line, put me in. I'll, I'll Just an all-around defenseman who wants to either step into a play, knows when to step into a play, but also realize, oh, crap, I need to get back because Latang's pinching or – Jack Johnson did something stupid, and I need to get back. So I like those defensemen that, that do that, kind of a Swiss Army knife defenseman. If you can't be a uh, shooting offensive defenseman like everybody wants to be, I think that's a good player to be, kind of a, uh, like I said, Swiss Army knife defenseman. Another guy I thought of, uh, Tristan Jari. I really like his play, and I think he's a nice safety net net for Matt Murray in case he falters, which is a real possibility. And um, he really stepped in well during the season, and I liked his play to where, um, again, if Murray isn't on point at some point, they can just go, Jart, in, go. Maybe on the forward side a little bit, just real quickly, Brendan Teniev really liked his play, didn't like the contract he was signed to, but, a, but has said, all right, I'm going to come in and make a difference, and he has. Good for him. So based on what you just said there, sorry to cut you off for what, but based on what you just said there, you're expecting Matt Murray to be the starter in night one and Tristan Jari to be waiting in the wings with kind of a short leash, correct? I Yeah, I could just see that happening, them just going to Matt Murray out of loyalty. Mm -hmm. um, I think Jari is showing in the short term he's better. 
Um, but I think there's, I, I think it would do, it would do more harm than good if you were to throw, at least in the media's eyes and some fans' eyes, if you throw Jari out first, game one, you're going to have a lot of Penn fans go, aha, they don't trust Murray. They're going to get rid of him. And uh, truth be told, and what I've seen in Wilkes-Barre, there are a lot of guys in the pipeline, a lot of goalies in the pipeline. Um, Emmy Larmy, uh, Alex Diorio, two international guys they brought in this past year were doing well in wheeling in Wilkes-Barre. So, um, Bum Murray, I'm looking over your shoulder a little bit, getting worried. If you were to make the decision of who's starting game one, would you be picking Murray or Jari, I guess? Because you mentioned how much you like Jari's play, but in this decision, I mean, I think we all enjoy Jari's play, but coming down to actually picking who has to start might be a different story. Yeah, and this uh, this hacks opinion, um, it, it's a tough call. It really is. You're damned if you do, damned if you yeah. don't. So I'm just going to take I'm gonna take Jari. Okay. I, I'll just go with him. And that makes sense. I mean, that's what people are saying that we should be doing. But um, other than picking Jari over Murray, what are your predictions for the series overall you got? You know, Penguins, Montreal winning it in how many games? All right. Hack theory. So I got – I'm taking Pittsburgh in four. Um, I think they could sweep the series. Again, will they? Eh, I think Pittsburgh should win. Um, I think Montreal is going to be feisty. They're not going to go down without a fight. I think Carey Price steals a game here and there. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if this would be a gentleman sweep. Like, let's say Pittsburgh takes games one and two, Carey Price has an unbelievable game three, and then Pittsburgh just beats him in game four, and it's on to whoever else. So um, my official hack prediction is Pittsburgh in four. Now watch me be horribly wrong. <laughs> well, if you're horribly wrong, then everybody else we've brought on in the guest episodes is also horribly wrong, because that has been a running theme here for the past two weeks. Nice. Apart from one last thing, saying that we both on this podcast love Emil Larmy mainly because of his comedy on social media. Plus, we heard he's also doing really well. So have you seen anything from him being possibly able to take that next step in the AHL next year? Uh, with Wilkes-Barre, uh, yes, very much so. Um, it was between uh, him and uh, DiOrio. They were both coming back and forth between Willing. Uh, Wilkes-Barre got decimated with call-ups and injuries last year. So um, they uh, weren't able to be as good as they could have been. They have a really good coach down down there who won a uh, Carter Cup with uh, with Charlotte. And he's trying to bring that system up to, uh, to Wilkes-Barre. So um, I, I think Larmy could have a real chance to do some good stuff in, uh, in Northeast Pennsylvania. There's going to be a lot of Coley's up there next year. So um, why the hell not? bring up the youth and let's see what they can do. Yeah, that's definitely one thing we're looking forward to. Hopefully organization-wide success, and that's something that the Penguins have had in recent history and hopefully we'll have a little bit later into the future. Well, thank you again, Richard, and we appreciate you coming on. We're going to give you the floor here for a couple minutes, just anything that you got coming up the pipeline and, of course, your social media. Go ahead. <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me on. I do not have a uh, podcast I'm working on as of as of yet that's going to be down the line I write NHL for the source podcast.com that's the source podcast.com the source podcast 11 on Twitter throw them a follow they retweet um, a lot of stuff that I throw out there 
good, bad, and um, weird as well. Um, myself as well, Autobloss 64. By the way, the 64 is a nod to the great Nintendo 64. That's why I chose that. It's always my number. Um, and um, I'm trying to um, get the Hockey Hack podcast up with either the source or with a uh, Bears website I am looking into. So now that the sports world has started up and we've got baseball starting up today, hockey starting up, I've really felt like, you know, that things are starting to come alive in just not only the hockey world, but for all of us right now as we've gotten through these four months. So um, it's been really great to see this, to talking with everyone and, you know, the banter we've had on Twitter as well. So I'm very grateful for that. So just, um, just again, give me a follow, rblos64 at Twitter. Um, there'll be another hockey podcast once we get more of the hockey world up and running. And um, everyone, stay safe. Enjoy the hockey that's coming up. There will be a lot of it. And you guys, thank you again for having me on. I hope we can do more of this. Oh, we appreciate you coming on, and we will definitely have to keep our eyes peeled for the Hockey Hack podcast featuring Richard Blosser. Once again, thank you. Oh, thank you guys, too. It's been a pleasure. And um, let's go Pens. Let's put a, a six up at PPG. I love it. All right. Thank you, guys. A thank you goes out to Richard for joining the show, and we ask everybody to keep your eyes peeled for the Hockey Hack Podcast featuring Richard Blosser. Hopefully that comes out soon. But as we move on here at the tip of the iceberg, episode 69, we have a couple more listener interviews to get to. Up next, we have Logan Hartnett, who will be joining us from Naples, Florida. And he will be coming to you right after this quick word from our sponsors at Manscaped. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, episode 69, and the second of two listener episodes here on the Tip of the Iceberg. And we are joined right now by an old friend of mine, somebody that I've been acquaintances with back since the days when we were playing street hockey and most of the time it ended with his cousins in a fist fight. Welcome onto the show, Logan Hartnett. What's going on, buddy? Hey, nothing much, guys. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Where are you joining us from today, man? I'm from uh, right now, just in sunny Florida, even though it's uh, raining today. Just uh, hanging out on the golf courses most days. I'm in uh, Naples, Florida, so the West Coast. But, you know, it's, uh, it's a little uh, far away from the ice, but hey, it's coming back soon. No, my mom lives down in Naples, actually. What uh, what part of it? 
I go to Florida Gulf Coast, so Fort Myers area. Okay. Okay. So you, I know the area fairly well. So, all right. It's interesting. I didn't even know you were down in the area, down in Naples of all places. Uh, yeah, I came here the... for school. I went to uh, UPJ for my first year. I had a run-in with Berlansky, actually, while he was at uh, Point Park, pretty sure. But that was like <laughs> five years ago. But uh, yeah, no, otherwise transferred here and uh, just decided to take up golf as a living. So, you know, you can't beat it. It's perfect area, perfect weather. Courses all over the place down there, too. I can't remember, for some reason, the neighborhood she lives in, but I golf on, you know, her home course all the time. But um, that's not what we're here to talk about, obviously. I just thought that was a fun interaction. And, uh, you know, let's we're here to talk Penguins in Montreal. Right, Berlansky? Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, hockey and golf, it goes together so well. So might as well just integrate the two here at the start of this interview. But like you mentioned, it is a hockey podcast. We can get into golf tangents like the chicklets do, but we're also not as good as wit. So we'll, we'll probably try to lean off on that one. But as far as the pens and the habs are concerned, Logan, what about this matchup gives you confidence in the Pittsburgh Penguins? And then on the other side of it, what makes you nervous? Great questions. First of all, I think uh, the only confidence that I have going in here is Montreal's back end. I feel like we can easily stuff pucks in the net. Uh, It just depends if they're going to collapse their D-men and as well Carey Price. I mean, he is a hot and not kind of goalie in the playoffs. I'd like to see him kind of – you know, give a good show, but at the same time, I think Jake's really going to catch fire early on. Um, and I do want to see their response in the first exhibition game versus Philly. I mean, is it going to be kind of the uh, blood fest that we anticipate, kind of how the Battle of Alberta will be? Because uh, I know Cassian and all them are just fired up and ready to get at it right away. So hopefully the guys uh, are able to, you know, tone it back, just play their game, snap the puck around, and, uh, just keep pushing uh, their D just, you know, back in deeper into their zone. On our end, I'll flip it back to our defense. Our defense is hit or miss as well. I mean, you get the uh, pairing of uh, Pedersen, who's half and half. Sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. Um, hopefully, John Marino sticks, uh, you know, steps up here and keeps playing the, uh, the game that he has all season. He's really, in my mind, uh, one of the best defenders that we have, especially with his youth. I mean, it's, it's speed, youth, and vision all work together perfectly. Yeah, so you you just mentioned the defense. I mean, how confident are you in the third pairing of Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz, even if that stays together or separates even? I I really don't know what I've ever, uh, you know, thought of them. It's one night uh, I love it. The other night I'm not too fond of it. I hope they do just cycle some pairings around early on because in years past we have seen – stubborn coaches and stubborn lines where it's just clearly not working and they just keep throwing them out there. So hopefully, you know, they, they cycle it around, they move some pairings here and there to find that uh, winning formula. I mean, you have to look at it last Monday, you had the snipe from Jack Johnson in the exhibition game. I mean, little nuggets about possibly giving us some confidence about Jack Johnson, but on that back end, I mean, you saw last year, it didn't work out with Schultz and Johnson, but you have seen Justin Schultz perform in the playoffs before. It's all about if he's healthy or not. And right now it seems like he's pretty healthy heading into this series. Yeah, I'd say so as well. I mean, you looked at that for, what was it, the first or second scrimmage where he tried to lay that big open ice hit on Lafferty. I mean, it's the, uh, it's the same thing. They're all excited to play, and hopefully they don't take this opportunity uh, to catch a cup uh, for granted. Would you be surprised at all if guys like Ricolo, Ruedel, or even dipping down enough into P.O. Joseph would see some ice time in these games? 
I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, there are a lot of games in a short amount of time. If they have the resources, might as well use them. I mean, the first series is only five games. Hopefully it only goes four maximum uh, in our favor. But at the same time, I mean, fresh legs are going to be what we need here. It's going to be, you know, a game apart uh, or a game a day apart. So it's going to be just, you know, firing on all cylinders here. Well, you mentioned it is going to be a close series and it might go all five games. So what is your official prediction for this series? I think it'll go five. I really don't know what to expect for any team. I really think that it will, just like the beginning of the season, take that seven or eight games to, you know, get into the live action feel again. Uh, but hopefully uh, these guys have been prepared for that uh, due to these scrimmages, et cetera. But I do think it'll go all five. So pens and five is, is your prediction. You got it. All right. Well, you're definitely booked, signed, sealed, and delivered. That is something you're going to have to stick to. I mean, social media, in person. If somebody asks you, that's your answer now. You, you okay with that? I'm okay with that. I mean, did you expect the Islanders to sweep us in four last year? What was your prediction on that? It definitely wasn't Islanders in four. I, I'll, I'll say that much, but <laughs> I won't I won't give my actual prediction from last year because, you know, I, I can't make myself look that bad on my own show. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, I'll stick by to the five there. I'm, uh, I'm excited to watch a lot of hockey. I won't complain if I see that fifth game. You know, it's one more Pens game that I get to uh, – to watch and i'm never complaining once uh once there's live hockey awesome awesome so another big question going into this series is gonna be carrie price are you really that nervous about carrie price i mean you said the back end you think the penguins can exploit and put pucks in the net but there's also that stature that yes he might not be exactly where he was in 2015 when he won the heart but he always has the potential to go out there. I mean, all he needs to do is steal three games. So what are you thinking about Carey Price heading into this series? Like you said, he could just steal three games. I, I've always put him on the same uh, level as Henrik Lundqvist. It, he shows up if he is the team in front of him. If they're all playing well, they're unstoppable. He is an absolute brick wall in the cage, just like how I was against you on street hockey back in the day. But, uh, <laughs> but uh no, it's, um, you know, he does have his hot streaks, and his hot streaks are unmatched by anybody. You know, Sid, Jake will even have a tough time trying to uh, sneak something in behind him. But, no, I mean, he has always been a very solid goaltender. I don't see anything taking him off his game. The only thing that will take him off his game is no production in front of him. All right. Well, Logan, thank you again for coming on. I hope you enjoy the fairways of Florida down there for us because up here it's been getting a little rainy as well. But before we let you go, we're going to give you the floor here to just pump anything. Do you want? You have the floor. I appreciate that, Nick. Well, it was great talking to you again. And, uh, you know, just going back to how we've known each other forever. Did your love of hockey come from the Chiefs, the Johnstown Chiefs, like myself, and then gradually – go up to the pens or did it start with the pens listen you know being from johnstown that it always starts with the johnstown chiefs with i think at that point i still have a relationship with jason spence i loved watching him play brent billado the captain at that point that's where my love started and of course then it branched out to the pittsburgh penguins it started with basically mike lang and and the later years of mario lemieux but yes you are 100 percent right it did start with the johnstown chiefs and Dimitri Terrebin and all those guys that those are names that just they stick in my head even what 20 years maybe le less than 20 but 15 years later so 100% that that's where it all started so everybody follow this man on social media Logan Hartnett on Instagram or 
at underscore Flogan underscore 24 on Twitter. Thank you again for joining us, man. All righty, guys. Much appreciated. Take it easy. A big thank you goes out to Logan Hartnett for joining the show this week. We appreciate you jumping on. And we have one more listener interview left, which is, of course, the state of Hoppy. But before we toss to that, last week we showed you a clip from the Stick and Rink podcast up in Vancouver. This week we're going to give you another sneak peek into one of the 36 podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the Fourth Line Voice. Enforcer based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And now Semenko out in front of the goal, pounding away at Joe Kocher, who's down on the ice, holding the back of his head. Um, you know, actually, what, what really surprised me, especially with Twitter being like Leaf Nation, was Grimson over Colt Nor. That actually, that voting really surprised me. I didn't think that would happen. Don't forget to catch the Fourth Line Voice podcast wherever you find your podcast, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Mark Bergevin. And everybody goes on and on with the whole PK thing and blah, oh, and he hated him because he doesn't like fun and blah, blah, blah. I have heard from a few people that Mark Bergevin's hilarious. No, this guy was a riot. You know, he would uh, be at the bar and he's like, oh, I just had a penis colada. And the girls would like give a double take and be like, what? He's like, yeah, I had the penis colada. You know, I, it's not bad. You know, it's... Enforcer-based podcasting wherever you get podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, episode 69, and we are having one of our listener episodes, and right now, like last week, we are also bringing on one of the other hosts on the Hockey Podcast Network. This one is one of the newer hosts on the Hockey Podcast Network, but it feels like he's been here the entire time. He is the co-host of the Soda Pod. He is one of the only people that have my favorite player's jersey hanging behind him every time I see his smiling face. He is State of Hoppy. How's it going, buddy? It's going great, Berlansky. And I, I got to thank you guys. It's quite an honor that you intentionally saved me for episode 69. <laughs> that was the plan. Everyone loves being on this episode, man. That's what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. But no, I mean, uh, obviously people are going to be listening on Monday, but let's just jump into it right now. About an hour ago, the news released. Seattle has a team name. A lot of people, I'm surprised how many people weren't happy with the team name, the Seattle Kraken. I loved it. I thought that was my favorite out of the gate when we got all of them. But what were your thoughts on it? I, you know what? I'm pretty indifferent on the name itself. I kind of hope that they get Johnny Depp and just make him the official <laughs> mascot for the team, dress him up. It'd be perfect. But no, the one that's he's probably going to be listening to this at some point, Isha, he hates it. Loves the color, the logo. I don't know who doesn't, but yeah, yeah. he is very anti-crack and I'm pretty neutral on it. But I mean, what's, what's not to love? It's just I'm exciting not... that we've got hot, like got this discussion going. We can actually start picturing the 32nd team. We can make Corey and Richie sad that they're going to be pushed over to the central. And <laughs> like pretty soon, guys, Seattle's going to be overrun with crackheads. Yep. Oh, God. Yep. The, they want they want to name the arena the crack house. And <laughs> there's, there's been some pretty good uh, jokes about it already. I mean, for the Kraken itself, I'm not for or against it. It wasn't my first or second choice, but I mean, finding out that the sock guy was 
trademarked by an erotic novel series. Yeah, I figured that one wasn't going to happen then. <laughs> the Kraken, like I said, I'm not for or against it. They bought, they brought me in with the logo and colors. I'll say that though. Absolutely. Yeah, we were discussing right before we we brought you on here the talk about that anchor, and he's like, "Oh yeah, it's an anchor." I said, "Well, it has the space needle in it." He goes. God, I hate when people hide stuff. I was like, it's not hidden. It's right It's right in front of your hey, face. Hey, Horwat, just, just a quick heads up. There's a bear head in the wild logo, too. Yeah, I knew that one. Like, it, <laughs> I also just told Berlanti, it took me far too long to realize the center of the Capitol's logo is the Capitol building. So um, it takes me a little bit to see things like that, but I'll I eventually I do catch on. And I'm glad that whenever I saw the animation of the Kraken's fin or tentacle it is, in the yes, I saw that one right away. I'll say that. <laughs> but no, the logo's dope. I mean, the, even the secondary logo is dope. Now seeing the, the Space Needle in it, seeing it all in there, it's all good now. I'm, I'm set on it. Well, that's awesome. I mean, I'm excited for the the expansion draft talk was always fun with Vegas, even though everybody was losing a player. So I'm excited for that to probably ramp up in about, oh, about five to ten minutes here. And everybody's going to be talking about that. But Let's jump into the, the main meat of what we wanted you to come on to talk about today, and that is the Pittsburgh Penguins versus Montreal Canadiens series. To you, what is the biggest question mark for the Penguins heading into this? I think the biggest question mark, it, it really goes back to where they saw their success in those cup runs, and it's the third line. You know, we don't have any questions about what Crosby's line is going to do. We might not be sure who his wings are going to be, but let's be real. Like, I don't care who's on his wing. Let's bring up Adam Johnson. Great. Malkin's line, no questions. Fourth line, that's the one that everyone's been heralding, especially in the analytics community. It's this third line. Can we get anything that replicates HBK or you know, just get some kind of spark there? Because you've got that talent with McCann. Patty Marlowe, obviously an aging guy, but he's got the speed to fit in with what they're doing. We think we're going to have Hornquist there. I don't know. That's still you know, up to interpretation, but if that line can put anything together and give other teams a hard time, that's going to be the X factor, not just for this series of Montreal, but across the board. Yeah. If you look at that first inter-squad scrimmage or whatever Josh Getchoff kept trying to call it, if you looked at that scrimmage, of course you had the top line scoring. Of course, Gensel gets goals and Malkin gets goals. The big thing that I was looking at is we don't expect that fourth line heralded as it may be. We don't look at them for goal scoring ability if they chip in every once in a while which i think they will in this series just a little bit tanev to be exact they're not expected to do that this third line like you mentioned the hbk the stall cook and kennedy line they need those big time goals and that's gonna hopefully come from the marlo mccann and possibly hornfist line yeah no agree and to kind of you know i don't know about you guys let, let's start negative and work our way to positive <laughs> how about that and on a uh, good note Yep. So, like, if this goes the wrong way for us here, I see that being for a couple reasons. I mean, first, just the Penguins don't historically do great out of the gate. Has there ever been a year where October and November they were blowing the doors down? No. Like, this rest, this lull, whatever you want to call it, could be hard for them. It is encouraging, though, that, you know, people are pretty – outspoken now that Crosby and Malkin have been in people's ears, making sure they're on top of what they need to be on top of, but that could be a challenge. And, you know, Montreal, I'm 
very, very tired of hearing people say that Carey Price is the one that could be the X factor that seals this series. Like, we want to go back four or five years, time capsule, whatever. Sure, I guess we got to watch out for the Predators too because Pecorino is going to steal a series. Exactly. But the where they can really mess with the Penguins, especially just how they play, this is a big puck possession and transition metric-based team. Like, it's going to be a lot of back and forth, gun and go. And they had some of the worst puck luck this year. Like, their shooting percentages for a lot of their good players are historically low. There's going to be some level of regression there. We got to expect it. But I still don't think it's going to be enough for them to beat Pittsburgh. But if all things fall their way, that's really where it's going to come from. Especially guys like Deneau and Gallagher in their shutdown roles. If they can stop either of the first two lines or at least negate them, it at least gives them a chance. But – I mean, that's really as far as the negatives go. But honestly, people are not thrilled about Montreal being the matchup here. I don't know. I think that having it be a 24-team playoff is the best thing that possibly could have happened to Pittsburgh. Like, this is the perfect tune-up game. Get ready. Again, maybe I'll eat my words and Carey Price will be a god. But, like, this is a warm-up round for Pittsburgh rather than going in and having to play Washington or Philly or someone like that in the first round. So, I'm – I think this plays very much in their favor. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that you don't think Carey Price should be or can be an X-Factor, but I have to know who on each team, aside from Carey Price, I guess, will be an X-Factor, one for Montreal, one for Pittsburgh. Yeah, and I mean, I've heard several people say Gallagher, so I won't take that easy one. I do see Philip Deneau being that guy, though. You see what he's become this year as that two-way center. I know that kind of makes me happy that Chicago's kicking themselves for that, but if he's up to the task and he can lock down and play at all with Sidney Crosby, or, you know, if they're going to keep him and Gallagher together, I kind of agree with what Shane had to say that, you know, that could be an agitator line that puts Malkin off his game and puts him in the box half the series, you know? Um, But I, I just think if he goes out and does what he has so far this season, I think he is going to be a challenge for Pittsburgh. Just good news is if they can stay out of the box and don't retaliate to anything from Gallagher, they've got, line 1A and 1B. So whichever one's not against a no, I think should thrive. Going for the Penguins as well? Next factor? Well, so I already talked about the third line altogether. That would kind of be my X factor, but I guess we'll flip it if you want a different one and say (laughs) third pairing. (laughs) Can Jack Johnson and Justin Schultz not fuck up? You know, how much can we shelter them? Do we reach a point where Sullivan's willing to bench either one if they're not doing what they need to do? I know he hasn't gotten the most respect so far, but I really think Ricola is a guy that can play that third pairing role pretty well. He's not going to make those big mistakes. He's good enough at handling the puck and moving it up ice. Um, I just didn't like anything that I saw when Schultz and Johnson played together, but you know, that's just me. Do you have any predictions for the series? I'm kind of pissed. Shane took mine verbatim. I was going to say they're going to lose the first game and then come back and win the next three. Um, I I do see it going four or five, you know, just again, slow starts for Pittsburgh. It kind of comes down as well to some of the decisions they make with the lineup and with the goaltending. I've heard a lot of opinions. I personally think that if you want to start Jari or Moron, but that's me. I'd love to hear if either of you disagree. 
it's a it's a difficult question. I don't know which way I would go with it. I think Jari's looked better in training camp, but that's just it. It's a training camp. You can only take so much from that, especially considering you're not really seeing live shots half the time. You're seeing half shots, breakaways, power plays for five straight minutes. I mean, it's not really a good indicator of what you're going to see in that opening game. I think realistically, Murray still has it no matter how he performs in this second week. It's all going to come down to me to how he performs in that exhibition game against Philly. If That's what scares can... me though, man, because it's like you said, it's an exhibition game. It's the first time seeing real shots. I'm worried that he's going to let in three or four and everyone's going to be like, oh, got to play Jari. I think you roll into game one with him no matter what. And guess what? If he lays an egg, fine, switch to Jari. Yeah, but that's, that's just my opinion. That's what a lot of people seem to be saying, and I, I do see a really good methodology in that. The only way that I can see them actually switching to Jari for game one is if their performances are night and day. Like, Murray would have to be absolutely bad, not just allowing three or four goals, but it would have to be in the way that he allows the three or four goals, and it would also have to be in the types of shots that each of them face, in my opinion. But I do agree that, realistically, Murray should get the shot on game one, night one, because... It is a best of five, but you are playing the 24th place team, and you do have Crosby's birthday coming up, so who knows what kind of what kind of can of worms that's going to open up. Yeah, I can only imagine. And, you know, I, I said this, too, for Minnesota, because they've got their own goaltending debacle to deal with right now, but, I mean, honestly, if I'm Sullivan, I pull Crosby, Malkin, Hornquist, Latang aside and say, who are you more comfortable playing in front of? And I go with that, no question. We're just never going to be privy to that conversation or whether it even happens. I wish we would be, though. <laughs> That's a good little point, though. I mean, because a lot of times with Crosby, these big trades or signings that happen, some people always question, well, how much hand, you know, how much of a hand did Crosby have in that? And that dates back to even whenever Chris Kunitz was on Team Canada for the Olympics. People were wondering, was that Crosby's decision or whenever we signed Jack Johnson? <laughs> oh, we're just signing Crosby's best friend now. Got it. So we see kind of where, like, that's a very possible thing that could be happening, too. And, and I'll be on record. If it's purely that, if that's why we have Jack Johnson and he has to play because it makes Crosby happy, I'll live with that. Yeah. But I just, I got to imagine Crosby cares more about winning than that. But who knows? But the other thing that I saw, too, so I've been really hard on the idea that Zucker should be playing with Crosby, which, by the way, you guys will be the only Pittsburghers that pronounce it correctly. It's Zucker. Not Zucker. Got it. His, his no wife way. will even come out and tell people rhymes with hooker. Like that's how <laughs> right. she gets it across. So his wife is so funny. She like is, that is awesome. That might be the biggest part of the trade. That might be why Garen lost the trade, just because he didn't keep Carly Zucker or Zucker. Zucker. Oh no, she's staying correctly. here. Oh, is she? Oh. Yep, she's not no going. Fair. So no, he, he, Karen swindled them. Yeah, well, especially now knowing that. But no, they're, they're both awesome, to be honest. I've gotten to a ton of their fundraisers out here. I actually, so uh, a couple years ago, they did one out at Fletcher's. It's like a big lakeside bar, and uh, they had like a bunch of drinking games and stuff, fundraiser for one of their many charities they, they support. And it was when the rumors started circling about him potentially being traded. This was like a year and a half before he actually got traded. But me and my buddy, like, just started heckling him, just asking, like, oh, my God, so what do you think about Eichel coming in? Like, what do you think of the Sabres roster construction? And, like, he was playing along, and then finally he's like, why are you asking me this? <laughs> like, Dude, you didn't see McKenzie's tweet? And his head just dropped. He's like, what? 
<laughs> and I'm like, dude, you didn't see Bob McKenzie's tweet? He's like, dude, just, just lay it on me. Like, I can handle it. What the hell happened? I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, you literally had him for, like, at least two minutes there that his life was dependent upon the words that you were about to say. Yeah. He got over it and took a picture with me, so I don't think he completely hates me. But at first, he's like, dude, don't do that. Come on. <laughs> but I, I – so I, I assume you guys follow Jesse Marshall? Uh, yes, big time. His article laying out why he wants to have Zucker on Malkin's line completely changed my mind. I'm sold. I was very strong against it, and now I'm all for it. So – Yep, I read that actually this morning, and I posted about it. And he, he, of course, being the great person that he is, he retweeted it, thanked us, and followed us immediately. I was like, I wasn't expecting all that. I just wanted to give you props for being, you, you know. know. I've, I've got Jesse Marshall following me. He's a, <laughs> he's a beauty. He's great. Athletic he's the one that amazing. got me to subscribe, for sure. As soon okay. as he joined, I'm like, well, I want to keep reading, so I guess I'm going to subscribe. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's what he gets paid the big bucks for, right? That's right. All right, well, uh, we want to dig into one prediction for Minnesota-Vancouver then? <laughs> you cover the Minnesota Wild. We got to have you give us the prediction for that. It's really funny because Isha's the Vancouver boy, and he's picking Minnesota, and I'm in Minnesota, and I'm picking Vancouver. Um, there you have it. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's one of those weird series where everything lines up. Like, every team's – like, every strength of each team is the deficiency of the other. Like – Vancouver has us in spades at goaltending. They absolutely have us beating the top 10 talent. Their top six is phenomenal. Minnesota has way better depth. They've basically got like four second lines and they've got way better blue line. Like aside from Quinn Hughes, there is nothing on that back end that's going to do anything to stop anyone. So like what's going to give? I mean, I was really just asking because I need to know who to bet on, and I trust you with that knowledge. But no, no in, in, in all seriousness, it is very, it's one of those series that when this all came out, I looked at it and I said, holy crap, it's going to be impossible to pick that. Like that series, the Carolina Rangers series, those two series to me are like dead even. It's See, just, for me, and I think Winnipeg Calgary goes into that bucket too. Yeah, I just, it, it's going to be fun to watch i think there's a lot of these play-in series that end up going five games just because of the layoff and because teams are coming in fresh you don't necessarily know who's gonna play well you don't know how they're gonna play what they're gonna throw out there so i see a lot of these five game play-in series going the you know going the distance and later in this episode we'll give our prediction for the penguins one but that may or may not be a you know sneak peek is the later well and you're you're not getting away with that you both got to make your picks for vancouver minnesota now Oh, see, I thought you were just going to let us go with that, but uh, I do agree with you. I'm going to probably go Vancouver in five in this one. I think it's going to be tough, and I think Minnesota shows out. Minnesota has a really, really bright future, in my opinion. They look really good. If you look at their farm system right now, the Iowa Wild were great this season. So I think they have a good future, but I just don't think it starts this year. Well, Berlansky, have you seen how beautiful Kalen Addison looks out on the ice right now? I have. And, and I, I really just try to forget that he was even a Pittsburgh Penguin. So, again. Dude, that's honestly one of those things, though. Like, I've never seen a trade help both teams so much. Like, that was the perfect trade. And I just hope there's more of that between, you know, Billy Guerin and Jim Rutherford moving forward. Hey, if you keep sending us top six forwards, I'll, I'll take it. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, I got to take Vancouver, too, I think. I mean, 
yeah, Minnesota, like Bryce said, has a great future ahead of them, but it's just thinking about it right now. Minnesota's goaltending is always a question mark, it seems, and I just feel like Vancouver has a ton of firepower as well, going like on an offensive end. I mean, no, I hear you. I, people... I guess the one argument on the goaltending too, because I've had to kind of flip my opinion because Isha and I are going on with some guys tonight that are on a Vancouver podcast, and they're looking for us to argue for Minnesota. Like, you're not going to get a better version of Markstrom than what you've seen. Like, if anything, he might regress back, especially with the injury at the end of the year. Minnesota's goaltending can't possibly get worse than what it was in the regular season. Yeah. So, like, how far do those two normalize and meet in the middle? Like, the further that pendulum swings, the more interesting the series gets. Is it still Dubnik and Stalock? Or is it? Well, it's Dubnik, Stalock, and Kokkinen. And apparently the fourth okay. guy is even getting consideration. But All right. I don't know. I. I'm one of the few people that says go Kokkinen because, like, I wouldn't have at the end of the season because going from AHL to NHL is tough. Yeah. Like, just different shots. But, like, they've all had several months off. They're all coming back in just as cold and have to get used to these shots. Throw them in and see what you got. As five games in the regular season look pretty damn good. But, honestly, Stalock looked fine. He was serviceable at the end of the year, if that's your worst case. And Dubnik's issue this year wasn't, like that he can't play his head wasn't right because his wife was going through some serious health issues if that's all gone and this break has been enough for him to reset maybe he comes back in and shows at least some glimmers of what he was before it'll depend i guess yeah like you said it can't get worse than it was and that's why i say just go with cockin i mean he he clearly kind of seems like more of the future than the other two guys so why not you're playing with house money at this point i love this berlanski you're agreeing with me way more than i thought you would <laughs> Well, I mean, that's why you got to have me on the soda pot. I'll back you up against Isha. Oh, thank God. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. We're going to give you the, the floor here just to pump out anything that you have coming up with the soda pod, any, you know, good beer suggestions that you have for us. Here you have the floor. Well, as far as beer recommendations go, I still haven't made it out to Pittsburgh. I absolutely will as soon as well, all of this ends. Um, but the only Pittsburgh beer I've had, I don't even remember what it was called, but it was just one of the basic local light beers that they had when I was living out in Chicago and would go to a Steelers bar to watch Penguins playoff games. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys come out to Minnesota, I'll show you the lay of the land, no problem. But as far as what we got going on, uh, again, on the soda pod with Isha, uh, love you, Isha, I know you're listening. We actually just dropped today, so it'll be Thursday um of this past week uh, we actually made all of our picks for the series and we're making beer bets on each one he's going to be coming out sometime next year he's hoping for the high school state tournament which is by the way the greatest hockey you'll ever watch um and we are going to just say that each series is a certain brewery and a loser of that series has to buy the beer so if you guys want to check in and tell us how dumb we are with our picks by all <laughs> means we love the chirping you know. um, but otherwise, every Monday, occasional Thursday, you can check us out. It's at the Soda Pod, um, and you can check me out at State of Hoppy if you're at all interested in average hockey takes and good beer takes. <laughs> That's amazing. Again, thank you for coming on. We're definitely gonna have to bring you on more because, I, again, you have the same views as I do, and I like doing that. I like when people agree with me. It makes me feel good. That beer you had, by the way, real quick, probably Icy Light, and it is awful. So uh, I don't begrudge you if you did not like it. Again, thank you for coming on, and go wild, I guess. <laughs> hey, 
go series. Like either they yeah. win and I get to keep watching them and talking about them, or they lose and maybe right. they get a good pick out. And honestly, even if they don't get Lafreniere, like they're gonna end up somewhere between nine and twelve. And in this draft, you're gonna get a player there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's win win for you and it's win win for Isha as well. So I'm sure he's right. It's it's a weird series in that aspect, but go penguins regardless. How about that? I think that's the best way to end it on. Thank you again, man. A thank you again goes out to State of Hoppy, who came in hot during that interview. We appreciate him bringing his A-game as always. And we appreciate all of our guests today bringing the, their A-game. Logan, to Richard, to Doug, to State of Hoppy. All four of you guys kicked it out of the park. Or I guess hit it out of the park. I don't know why I said kicked it. I, there's so many sports going on right now. I'm getting sport overload, Horwat. So I'm mixing all of my stuff. You're watching the World Kickball Championship <laughs> over there, aren't you? <laughs> on ESPN 8 The Ocho, you know damn well I'm watching the World Kickball Championship. But we have a couple Hell things yeah. left to get to, to today during this episode, episode 69 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We do have our Pens versus Habs official picks coming up here in just a minute. But before we get to that, we did have our Pens poll this past week. And the question was, which Pittsburgh Penguins player returned to training camp with the best flow? Brandon Tanev takes the cake at 58%. Jared McCann follows up with 25 Chad Ruweedle had 9%. And Chris Letang finished with eight. So Chad Ruweedle officially has better flow than Chris Letang in the Pittsburgh Penguins fan. But as far as the Pittsburgh Penguins fan base is concerned. God, I love it, man. We we love Chad, don't we? Oh, Especially if he's going to have to play. If Jack Johnson can't play Chad Ruweedle in that luscious locks of his, they're <laughs> going to be flying down the ice against the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, man, we love Chad. And. It's not the first time he's been voted for his best hair on the team, so. Yeah, I, I feel like Jared McCann, listen, Brandon Tanev has that scraggly beard going. I think that really has a complete look, which is why he probably yeah. won. But, I mean, Jared McCann's flow is on point. If you're going just, you know, just top of the head flow, like lettuce and salad, it, it's got to go McCann. Yeah. But, I mean, hey, that's not what the Pittsburgh Penguins fans voted for, so. Brandon Tanev takes the cake. We will have a new Pens poll coming out on Monday, so make sure you guys go and vote on that. But before we finish up today, I know you've probably been waiting for it or you probably just don't care at this point, but we're going to give it to you anyway. It is our Pens versus Habs predictions. Horwat, I'll let you lead it off. Uh, man, I'm just going to follow along with what literally everyone else said, and that's Penguins and Four because it makes the most sense, right? <laughs> I mean, Carey Price is Carey Price. He's going to steal a game. It's it's verbatim what everyone has said. Carey Price is going to steal a game. Uh, we don't know which game. Some people said the first one. And Crosby's going to tear it apart on his birthday. So there's that. I don't disagree that Sidney Crosby could probably and will probably tear it up on his birthday. But I, I see in the first three games, I see Carey Price stealing one. So I see it being 2-1 to one going into Crosby's birthday. But I feel like we're hyping it up just a little too much. <laughs> we're hyping up just a little too much. It might be like that 2009 series between the Pens and the Capitals when he scored a hat trick, but the team still lost. Who knows what happens? I think that he loses that game, but the Pens finish it off in five. I'm going Pittsburgh Penguins in five games over the Montreal Canadiens. Book it. That's our official picks. Horwat, how excited are you for this upcoming Saturday? going to be a hell of a time. I'm sure we'll figure out a way to watch it. I, I know we're not going to be in our respective TV viewing areas. We're both going to try to be camping. 
but we're going to try and figure something out. We will do, by all means, find a way to watch, listen, do whatever. Before we continue, though, I want to say one thing, because this dropped um, right before we started recording, and uh, Megan actually texted me about it, but uh, hockey legend Eddie Shack passed away, like, at least it was announced this morning, like, right before we started recording. So, at 83 from a battle with cancer, I just wanted to toss that in, because it's almost like getting breaking news while you're recording. Gotta mention it. Former Penguin, mostly a former Maple Leaf, though. Clear the track. Eddie Shack, man. That's all I'm saying. Just RIP to an icon in this game. Yeah, I, I I did not see that. So, of course, rest in peace to Eddie Shack. He, he's going to be missed amongst the hockey community. And couldn't have said anything better than you said, known as a Toronto Maple Leaf. And he, he was a Pittsburgh Penguin. But at the end of the day, just a, a great guy with a great career and, and an even better person. So, rest in peace to Eddie Shack. But that is, that is going to be it for this one, episode 69. Don't forget to check out our sponsors at manscaped.com. Use promo code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Also, visit our sponsor at coolhockey.com slash THPN. Use the code THPN for 30% off your new best authentic NHL jersey. And they also have premium hand stitching, so go check those guys out as well. You can Great follow jersey. us. Oh, go ahead. What did you say? Great, they're great jerseys. I was just adding in. Continue on. Oh no, 100%. They are probably the best jerseys that I've ever owned. So go check them out at coolhockey.com/thpn. You can follow us on Twitter at nickhorwat 41 and at nick_berlansky. You can also follow our show's Twitter handle at iceberg podcast. You can check us out anywhere you find your podcasts. So also please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. That helps us move up the podcast charts, which we've done pretty well in, but Always nice to do better, so check us out on Apple Podcasts and rate us, of course, five stars only, as a lot of people here on the network like to say. But speaking of the network, we are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere, and holy shit, the next time we come to you, we'll have an actual playoff hockey game to discuss. It will be real. It's happening. Have a good week, Pens fans, and enjoy game one.